Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning back in for part two of the short series, Completely Clean. And what we're talking about primarily is found in um, John chapter 13. We're talking about Passover meal. And Yeshua is sitting there doing some very strange things, is he not? He's wanting to wash the feet of his disciples. And imagine the dialogue at that table, would you? (laughs) What are you talking about washing my feet? You are going to wash my feet, as we already looked at, Peter. No way is that happening. Yeshua says, look, if, if I'm going to be with you, I'm washing your feet. Peter, okay, well, if that's the criteria, wash my feet, wash my hands, and wash my head. I love his response. And then, of course, as we just ended, we uh, Yeshua goes into revealing that he knows. He knows his betrayer. Someone who's not completely clean is at the table. Yet the yet I love this. The the meal continues. The meal is the meal is ongoing. It's not thwarted by the betrayer at the table. Why? Yeshua knows who he is. He knows who's in control of his destiny, and it's no man. It's no man. I love that. And without getting onto this, because this would take a five-hour message to even crack the door on, like the introduction. That's why I love the idea of losing ourselves in the Messiah so much so because there has never been an individual on the entire earth ever, nor will there ever be anyone like Yeshua the Son who knew who he was. He was not concerned about anything other than doing and accomplishing fully the will of his Father. Now, he said harmful things. He said horribly hurtful things. He looked at his mother and said, Do you think you're my mother? You're not my mother. Oh, my gosh. The things he said because of his identity, man, those things stung people. They hurt. We've talked about that in our home. About imagine that to my wife as a mother. Imagine the son that you raised that, especially in those circumstances, and he looks at you as a grown man and says, you're not my mother. <laughs> now, we know the intricacies of what he was saying, but I mean, this is real life now again. <laughs> this is real life. And so when Yeshua said these things, he constantly proved, you know what? I'm not moved by any of this stuff, including someone who's not completely clean here at, here with me, alongside me at this Pesach table, this Passover meal. I don't care in the rightful sense. I'm here to accomplish the will of my Father completely. And guess what? You, you, and you, and you, and all you, all these others here are all perfectly orchestrated by my Father to produce the fruit of fulfilling His purposes of why I exist. Now, friend, that is true for you. That is true for me. That is no less true for us than it was true for the, for the Son of God Himself. He would do us good to just sit down and really establish if we believe that. Do we really believe that our life is of equal value as the son of Yeshua, Messiah? Because all the things he said, and then we'll get back to today. Do these things and even greater. Why? Because now the plurality of the body of Messiah, it's no longer one God-man, but God-men filled with Holy Spirit, 
through blood of the Son, carrying out the will of the Father, unmoved, unfazed. That's why I understand my life is not my own. Come at me with a gun. Come at me with a machete. Come after my household. Our lives are not our own. No one can thwart the will of the Father in my life. No one takes my life. Why? I lay it down. It's not my possession. I gave it up at my regeneration, and I'm not taking it back. I have literally got, I don't know, a hundred plus pages on that topic about losing our life and not loving our life unto death. I don't know if those will ever become public. That's a big, that's a big thing to bite off. <laughs> I'm not sure it'll ever happen. I'm just being honest. So we're talking about this word katharos. Katharos in the Greek is clean for the most part. Clean and pure are, are often synonymous as we have already talked about. So let's just read some other verses. New Testament and the Old Testament version, if you will, an understanding of clean. 1 John 1, chapter 9. Now, we know many of these verses, as we're always saying, don't let us just blow by them. We have to stop and say, okay, I've known this verse since I was eight, but what is it saying? What is it telling us? Do I even understand? If we confess our sins, okay, if we, if we, if we, here is one of endless examples of a scriptural prerequisite that's always ongoing in the Bible. So if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins, and he will purify us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so again, the prerequisite has to always be mentioned. If we, when we, and can we just say clearly and make this as clear as we can, only if we confess our sin. Will he be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify and cleanse us from all this unrighteousness? Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the katharos, the clean in heart. They will see God. Okay, so want to see God? I never see God. I never feel intimate with the Father. I don't feel, I wonder if I know Him. Okay? Let's be sure that we are pure, clean in heart. And what is it again? This is all these things we've already talked about. Pure, a purified one. One who's free from what's forbidden. One who is blameless. One is unstained. One is free, who is also free from corrupt desires. This has to be us for us to see God. Okay? We have to talk about these things on a, on a practical level because sadly, most of us have been told this verse for our whole life as some magical wand promise that we don't realize is completely dependent upon our cleanliness. Our condition is dependent upon us. Matthew chapter 23, verse 26. You blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may also become clean, katharos, pure, okay? So you want the outside clean? Cleanse tend to purifying the inside first. It's not about all this out, out here. Now, we can be hard on the Pharisees all day long, 
Oh, those whitewashed tombs. Oh, those religious men. But really, that's who I was most of my life. Best intentions, trying to go through life. When I was a youth pastor at two different churches 20 years ago, I did the best I could, but I was a whitewashed tomb. I, ha I had dirt on the inside. I hadn't cleansed the inside of my cup. I hadn't presented myself to the Messiah to clean me and cleanse me. So I was trying on the outside to what? Be this clean guy, good, upstanding, moral, godly, got it all together. And so let's be careful we're not just pointing fingers at the pharisaical mindset when instead it might need to start right here in us. We too can be just as Yeshua was speaking of. Now let's look at Psalm, uh, Psalm 119. This has to be mentioned because, again, as I said, we will, we will take the Catharos um, understanding from the New Testament and we're also going to plug in in very small measure the Old Testament understanding in at least one or two places. Because again, the word clean and purify is a huge topic to discuss. There are men who have written books, volumes of books, about the proper biblical understanding of clean and unclean. It's a topic that's very much ignored in our era of church. We Again, we just have been told there's just nothing left for us to do. And if we do, we're earning salvation and we just get stuck there as a Christianity and we've never given ourselves to anything to make sure we are completely clean. So Psalm 119 is, of course, a chapter that we just don't hear much about except for the promises part. But let's just read some of the texts in there. How happy are those whose way of life is blameless. Okay, so what's blameless? Where this this needs to be redundant, and it is on purpose. What is blameless? How do you know what is blameless? I'm giving you a moment to really ask yourself, because we read these verses, we hear them in sermons, we've heard them in Sunday school. Be blameless. Okay. I'm I'm literally pausing for us to ask ourselves these questions. Again. How happy are those whose way of life is blameless? Is your way of life blameless? I'm waiting for us to really think. Is your way of life blameless? How do you know? How do I know what's blameless? And it goes on. Who live by the Torah of Adonai. Oh, that's, that's what makes me blameless. That's what made Yeshua blame, <coughs> excuse me, blameless. We do understand that. As I talked about in a, in a recent episode, <clears throat> we just kind of throw out this blanket phrase that Jesus was sinless. But what, did that, what does that mean to be sinless? And we don't like to say the T word, right? Christian, Christianity hates the T word, Torah. I'm serious now. I feel it in my own life, Torah. He kept the Torah of the Father to perfection, which is what made him blameless. It's what made him sinless. So, whose life is blameless? Those who live by the Torah of Adonai. It continues, How happy are those who observe his instruction, 
who seek him wholeheartedly. They do nothing wrong but live by his ways. What? Impossible. We're just wretched, sinful men trying to cling to the cross. That's not a biblical pattern. That's not what we see as our instruction, our goal. You laid down your precepts for us to observe with care. May my ways be steady in observing your laws. Then I will not be put to shame since I will have fixed my sight on all your commands. I thank you with a sincere heart as I learn your righteous rulings. I will observe your laws. Don't completely abandon me. Again, this is a cry out to the Creator, a cry out to the Father. How can a young man keep his way pure? And that's why I'm reading this text. How can a young man keep his way clean? Okay, this is the Old Testament version of this Greek katharos. Pure, clean. By guarding it according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. Why? Because the commands keep me blameless. The commands are a beautiful gift to me to keep me clean. I have treasured your word in my heart. Why? Why do we treasure his word? Because we're told to, we have to? No. So that I may not sin against you, which takes us back to what I just said about what made Yeshua the Messiah, the sinless, blameless, spotless lamb that the Father could look down upon and say, this is the one whom I am well pleased with. Why? He treasured the word so that he might not sin against the Father, which was the cry of the Psalms over and over. We cannot abandon Yahweh's Torah and have any idea whatsoever what it means to be clean. We can't. Everything else is just grabbing at morality and culture-driven cleanliness of what is right. It's always changing. It's always evolving, devolving. We have to know what the eternal word of God says to have any idea whatsoever what it means to be clean, as Yeshua was speaking of clean. Because again, put our put on our imaginations and realize that at the Pesach meal, the Passover meal, Yeshua and his disciples are doing what the people of God had been doing for generations and generations. What? Why? Because Yeshua is saying what? Did he say in the text without getting into this? And again, this is not a Passover message. Remember this. Remember. Remember this cup. Remember my body. Remember my blood. Remember this meal, which is what? The meal. <laughs> this, this holy day is remembering. Remembering. Remembering the works of the Father. The deliverance of his people. Why was Yeshua making this pinnacle moment that we've just made the Lord's Supper that's just in a bulletin every now and then or something we just do every week depending on denominational preference? Why was this such a... Why was, why was this the culmination of Yeshua's entire life at the Passover table? 
because there's something of deep, deep, deep significance of the remembering. Remembering for all your generations what Yeshua came, perfectly fulfilled, and left for his followers to continue on and remember and remember and remember. Just like we talked about in the Sabbath study weeks ago. Remember this marked holy seventh day and keep it holy. Y'all, if Yahweh God is about anything, he's about telling his people to remember. Remember, remember, remember. Remember my commands. Remember my demands. Remember what makes you my people. Remember how you are holy in my sight. Remember my feasts. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. How do we get away from, from Yahweh Elohim being a God of saying, please, my, my people, my people now, my people, remember everything that I have taught you, that I have showed you, that I have revealed to you, and that I have set in place for your good. It's all, through over, all throughout Psalm 119. Why? So that we can be pure, undefiled ones. We cannot abandon Yahweh's ways. We can't. We cannot try to just be grace people now and still be clean. It's not worked. Look at the church now. No one would argue that point. Look at the condition of the church, Christianity. Gay, lesbian, doesn't matter for the most part. We've got to be honest. We can't say, well, those aren't really Christians. Those aren't really believers. They don't really study the Bible. They're not like us. Friend, yes, they are. Yes, they are. This is the current status status of Christianity. Abortion? Eh, it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, seriously. Catholicism is now bl- blasting from the rooftops. Gay marriage? It's okay. God loves you. Who are, who are we to say? Well, that's not Christianity. Friends, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And why? I'm saying why is easy. Why is easily defined. We have abandoned Yahweh Elohim's Torah. We have walked away from his commands and we do not adhere. Again, the Christian church does not even adhere to the fourth commandment. We're trying to, and what what Yeshua was always saying, and all throughout the scriptures, you don't even do You don't even do the greater works. You don't even keep, you don't even keep the simple things. It's on both sides, depending on what text we grab out. We don't even, we don't even know what we're doing. We're a wayward lawless people in Christianity, and somebody's got to call it out and say it for what it is. It's very easily, it's easily shown. No one would argue the fruit of it, but when you start talking about, well, it's because we Christians have become a lawless people. Oh, no, law, law, law. No, we're set free. Our, our false freedom has produced lawlessness. The fruit is on the tree. We must remember that the gospel is ancient. Well, why does that matter? Well, as we always say, what were those during Yeshua's time teaching? Okay, the law and the prophets. So what Yeshua was talking about, when he starts talking the verbiage about clean, cleanliness, purification, these people knew what he was talking about. They knew. 
They understood why. They were brought up in the Law and the Prophets. The Law and the Prophets is what birthed the church post-Yeshua. That's what was being taught where? In the synagogue and in house to house. As they kept feasts and Sabbath, this is a redundant fact. There's no way around it. <laughs> Let's look briefly at, at, at just some of Paul's writings. The, and, and specifically, the living temple principle. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. And again, we know these verses. Therefore, having these promises, which we'll talk about what those are, Beloved, let's cleanse ourselves. Okay, katharos, clean ourselves, purify ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of Yahweh Elohim. Okay, so here's the question. What's defilement of flesh and spirit? How did they know what that was? I mean, we have to think about this, literally. Because here we sit where we are, and we've exalted and elevated ourselves because we have the New Testament now, and we handle it the way that we have been handed it, which is very poorly. When most of the New Testament is, is the, major, the major, major percentage of it is quoting the Old Testament, So we have to ask, what, how do we know what this instruction is telling us? What was Paul saying to the church at Corinth when he said, cleanse yourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit? Okay. What did the law and prophets say is the defilement of flesh and spirit? That's how they would have known. That's how they defined this instruction. What's perfecting holiness? Go to the Law and the Prophets. Study Torah. <laughs> Therefore, having these promises. What promises? <laughs> Again, this is a this is a <laughs> a log truck heading downhill with no brakes. Everything goes right here. Everything when you study the Word of God goes right to the perfect commands of the awesome loving father given to his people to keep us in the parameters and boundaries for our own good so that we might know him. Everything goes right there. Every single thing takes us there. Example, therefore having these promises. So what was he talking about? In the letter to the Corinthians, what was Paul talking about? What promises? Paul is quoting Exodus and he's quoting Leviticus. And the promises made that Yahweh would create a living temple people. Well, Paul, let's just go on. Paul continues in this letter to the Corinthians saying, quote, he's, he's quoting Exodus and Leviticus. Come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean and I will welcome you. What's unclean? How do we know? That's what we're always talking about. Unless we have been told... And, and if everything was as deemed clean now, why was Paul quoting this to the Corinthians? Don't touch what is unclean. And I, Yahweh, will welcome you. And I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says Yahweh Elohim. So what is clean? 
And why is Paul quoting Torah? Why is he doing that to the church at Corinth? If it's if it's a outdated principle post resurrection, post Acts Pentecost. If it is in fact past tense and there's a replacement theology that has been instated for the new church, a new religion idea, why is he quoting Exodus and Leviticus about how you shall cleanse yourselves from defilement of flesh and spirit? Why is he doing that? How do we know what is clean unless we read what we have been told is clean and what is unclean? It's worth noting that no, no Christian would call to question what Paul is saying here. We, we've heard this our whole life. But, but what about this living temple reality? Of course, we know we know that now we're a living temple. It's a lot of the, the debate, if you will, from the Christian's vantage point of I'm a living temple now. None of that stuff matters because now I'm indwelled by Holy Spirit. That's true. The latter part is true. But what about the other verses that are all around this text within the proper context of the Torah commands that, that Paul is quoting to tell the people at Corinth? Because in that same line of what Paul extracted out and was teaching them, says, you shall keep my Sabbaths and fear my sanctuary. That's Leviticus 26.2, right where Paul is quoting from. And then the if you comes. <laughs> if you follow my statutes, if you observe my commandments, if you perform them. That's verse 3. Okay, so, so what, why does that matter? What Paul is quoting is the, the, these promises are based upon the if you, okay? Which is why he said, come out from the midst and be separate, which again is quoting Old Testament text. And so, what, well, why have we missed that? Because we're ignorant. We're ignorant. We have not been taught. We've not been taught to make that connection and, and because we have failed to clearly make it, make it abundantly evident to us here today, so far removed that those people at Corinth would have known that. The people at Corinth would have known that. They would have made the connection of clean and unclean, defiled, undefiled, holy and common. They would have understood because they were being taught the law and the prophets, and we have not been taught that properly. We have been taught that we are now divorced from all of that stuff, except for, as we always say, except for the good covenantal promises. But not the prerequisite part. We're somehow void of that. We don't need that anymore because we have the blood of the Messiah. And friends, we have to, we have to give ourselves to, to ask the question, have we not understood what it means to be biblically, biblically clean, purified? Because all these instructions, and we'll bring this part to a close, and we'll have one more, is we, we, we today, in modern-day Christianity, we read a verse about, that tells us about the importance of being clean, of being holy, of being righteous, of being undefiled. I would say, at least I would ask the question, do you understand what that means, though? Do you understand what that's saying? Because I don't feel I'm that abnormal in the sense of in my Christian upbringing, of being in church my entire life and then being on staff teaching other people at a church, 
the we read these verses and we just think, A, it's all somehow because we're ignorant. The blood of Jesus has just made us clean and there's nothing left to do. Or B, we just don't really know how to be clean. And so we just do our best. Like I've talked about in endless programs, just how when I, when I taught young people and led, sadly, <laughs> young people, the constant rededication of I can't do this, I can't do this, I'm not good enough, I'm still sinning, I'm not stopping this cycle and this pattern. Why? We've not been taught and trained the biblical understanding of regeneration and sanctification. The sanctification walk of the rest of our days, which, which postures us to endure to the end and thereby biblically defined be saved, is, the, is, is what this text is talking about. Being in a perpetual state of purification, cleaning. That is what we must do. We must do. We have to do something. We have to do something based upon the work of the blood of the Son. We're not doing it in our own strength. And that's the thing that has to be explained, but we don't have time every episode to explain it. We're not talking about something we're earning on our own. Any cleaning we do now post-regeneration is through power of Holy Spirit, hidden with Messiah in the Father. It's this empowerment work to clean me and cleanse me and, and reveal wicked ways in me till the end of my days so that in the purification process, I can present myself to my master king as clean as I can. Because we will be clean. We will be purged. <laughs> I would rather start tending to it now as I'm awaiting that day, knowing it's coming, not dreading it, no condemnation, but there's still this press. Holy Spirit, clean me. I want pure hands, clean hands, pure heart. I desire purity. I desire to be clean. Why? Because of all you've done for me. Because Yeshua Messiah, the perfect spotless lamb, laid down his life for me now. I want to be found spotless and blameless to be presented to him as a what? A living sacrifice, pleasing, holy, acceptable in his sight. Not your sight, not my own opinion, but in his sight. So therefore, in absolute closing, I've got to know what he says clean is. I've got to know what he says being purified is. And friends, unless we go back and we read throughout the full word of God, back to the Torah commands and the laws and everything God gave us again for our good, how will we know what the Father says makes us clean in His sight? How will we know? How will we know what's clean? How will we know what's unclean unless we go back and realize when, when the Father spoke it, it was so. And He said, for my people... This is how my people will be found blameless in my sight. Through Yeshua Messiah, the perfect spotless lamb. It's only because he was perfectly holy, clean, that I have any chance of coming in and being found clean in the Father. He was the door 
the gate, the only way for what? For me to get on that path to cleanliness, to be purified and washed and set on a journey to now, son, walk out the rest of your days being holy as I'm holy. In the image and the likeness of my perfectly pleasing son, Yeshua Messiah. That's the Hoopa Grimaud study we did the other day. The one man example. It's beautiful. It's awesome. This is no burden, friends. This is no burden. You've been told it's a burden you can't keep, but that specifically opposes Deuteronomy and what the Father himself said. This is not too much for you, or he wouldn't have given it to us. Problem is, men got in there and dirtied it all up with their own ideas. And it's made it all the way to us. Don't let it dirty you. Let the Father tell you what is pleasing in His sight and do it. (laughs) It is that simple. We make it hard because we're rebellious, stubborn, hard-hearted people. But it is doable. He's given us His Spirit to accomplish these things. We're talking about completely clean. According to the Word of God, we'll have one more part after this. Find us online at patthezion.com. Send us an email, patthezionpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook. Like us, friend us, message us. Let us know what you're thinking. We always welcome any feedback from any of our viewers, listeners. Thank you for watching today. We'll be right back with the culmination of Completely Clean. Amen.